Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. It's one of those years we're going to have to uh, be flexible and we're going to have to be able to adjust. And we, and we knew that coming into training camp that you know, things were going to come up and <laughs> nothing about the season's normal. So we'll make sure we're following protocol. And I think that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, again, no matter what else is going on and distractions, our job is to win hockey games. All right. Good morning, everybody. How are we all doing? We are getting ready for Sharks hockey once again. I know it feels like it has been a bit with the cancellation of the games against Las Vegas or the postponement, I should say, Uh, but the immediate postponement of those games has given us a little bit of a stretch without hockey, and hopefully that's allowed the Sharks to now have some time to improve. That's allowed us to get hungry for Sharks hockey again, and while we've been away, for lack of a better term, COVID has suddenly become the story all over the NHL. Teams, players, coaches all around the NHL have now been impacted by coronavirus, We are seeing the league put new protocols in place in the hopes to slow or stop the spread. And a year that we knew was going to be difficult is proving to be just that, difficult. We're going to get into this a little bit more later with Dan Wood, the radio color commentator of the Ducks, to get a little bit look ahead at that series. But, you know, the one thing that I keep on coming back to is there's just no point of reference for this. And I think that Right now, all I can really do is applaud the efforts of the NHL to try and keep things going as long as possible, because that's what we all want. We knew there were going to be changes. We knew there were going to be challenges. We knew there were going to be outbreaks. It's happened over the summer with Major League Baseball, with Major League Soccer, with NBA teams once they got going. NFL has obviously dealt with this. College football has obviously dealt with this. This is a huge part of what we are going to see this year and why we are seeing it the way we are seeing it. And I, again, can only applaud the efforts of the NHL to try and take the best information they have and try and figure out what they can do to make the best outcome. There is no blueprint for this. There is no previous point of reference that the league can look at and say, oh, well, this is what we've done in a previous pandemic because they haven't. And on a selfish note, while I do recognize that this is real life, this is happening to real people, their health is being put at risk, the selfish part of me is like, oh my God, we just got hockey back. Don't let it be taken away again. And I know that makes me a terrible person to think about my own desires, but it just, it's so real. Everything for the last year has been so real. It's been so dark. It's been so depressing for any number of reasons. And having hockey back is something to distract me from that. I've reveled in every moment of it because I have forgotten about what's going on in the outside world. I have been able to just totally lose myself in 
watching a game, listening to the post-game comments, putting together a, a reactionary morning after show. That's what, what, what I'm supposed to do in this world, not worry about numbers associated with a pandemic. I've been able to do that, and it's been lovely. But as I knew it would, reality has been rearing its head with regards to the coronavirus and the NHL. And of course, the league is taking these further steps to uh, try and ensure player safety, coach safety, all those involved in their safety. That's what we're looking for here. Uh, we got a little bit of reaction yesterday. Players and coaches, you heard Bob Bugner talking about it. Here's Logan Couture talking about these new COVID protocols that are going in, some of which are going to be the removal of plexiglass uh, to try and increase the airflow along the benches. They're also going to be limiting the time that you can arrive before the game at the arena. But this is what Cooch had to say. Yeah, I just I got a call on the way into the rink um, a little bit earlier just from our PA rep. And um, the only ones that he told me about that mattered to, to us right away were, uh, you know, stay apart in the, in the locker room and, and get into the rink. Not as early as, as some guys would like, but uh, if they think that's going to help, then I'm sure guys will be all for it. And he also added this when he was asked if he thought it would impact guys' routines. Oh, yeah, I mean, it will, but this this isn't a regular season. I mean, this is all the stuff that's going on this year. Nothing uh, is normal to us or to anyone in, in, in the world, really. So it's not that big of a deal, in my opinion. And he's right. I think he realizes that there are bigger pieces at play here and that he and his teammates and everybody in the, in the NHL just has to react accordingly so they can do their best to make sure things keep on going. Here's head coach Bob Bugner. You know, I, I, obviously it's it's good that they're on it and, and that we're trying to be as safe as possible. I think that, uh, you, you know, it's uh, when you look around and you see teams uh, getting it and, and uh, you know, affecting the schedule and things like that, we have to obviously uh, look to any ways we can improve. You know, definitely different. I think, uh, you know, we've been doing our meetings very spaced out and if not virtually. Um, so that really doesn't change for us. You know, taking the glass out and, and things like that will be a little different for us. But uh, all in all, I mean, uh, we're, we've been trying to be like that and safe since day one. So really, I think uh, um, any more procedures is, you know, completely fine with us. My favorite part of that from Bugner is when he says that they have to look for ways or anything they can do to improve because he's so locked in on the coach mindset. Even when he's talking about the COVID protocols, he's like, hey, we got to figure out how we can improve. And, and honestly, I wish more people took that mindset to think about how they can be better at not being part of the spread of a pandemic. But uh, I don't know. I just got a little kick of that. But yeah, COVID's a big deal in the NHL right now. They are learning how to deal with it, just as we saw every other sport across the North American landscape learn how to deal with it as well. Some have done better than others, but the NHL is comprised of some very intelligent individuals. I don't think this is beyond them in the slightest, and I think that when you hear people like Logan Couture or like Bob Bugner saying, yeah, we'll do whatever it takes, you are reminded of the fact that these guys love hockey they want to play the game, and that helps all of us continue to watch the game of hockey. When those guys totally buy in and spread that message of totally buying in on anything they can do to slow the spread, that helps. I think that more and more people need to hear that type of mentality. And big picture, if fewer people get sick, that's great. I don't want anyone getting sick. I want this gone tomorrow so I can go back to SAP Center and watch a game in person in front of a packed house. That's obviously not going to happen, but a guy can dream, right? 
And while we are daydreaming or pleasantly thinking about the future, I'm looking at four games coming up for the Sharks against, in my opinion, beatable opponents. And that's no disrespect towards the Ducks or towards the Kings. But if you told me at the start of this year that the Sharks would have four straight games against the Ducks and the Kings, my immediate take would have been like, yeah, you should probably think you should win all four of those games, even if they are on the road. And right now, I'm thinking that the Sharks have got some rest. They've had some time to work on things. They have now gotten through the hardest part of their schedule. They've actually been home. Now I'm feeling pretty good about this team as they do head in to these next two series against the Ducks and L.A. I am. I think we, it's given us a chance to sort of uh, touch up touch up on a lot of different areas. You know, we've worked hard on our special teams this week. We're going to do that again today. You know, and just, uh, just you know, coming up with a couple of different looks on our special teams, our power plays, uh, both units, and um, a couple adjustments in zone and in the defensive zone. And then really just, you know, trying to perfect all the other things and, and, and um, you know, be sharp and get some rest and all those things that we talked about. So, uh, you know, I know we're feeling pretty good getting on that plane today and, and feeling pretty prepared. And that's what happens when you get some time home, when you get some time to practice, when you get some time to rest, as head coach Bob Bugner pointed out. And the other thing that I was really pleased to hear was that the team is excited to play. I mean, by the end of that series against Colorado, you could tell this Sharks team was beat. They were tired. They needed a bit of a break. But now it seems like they are hungry to play again. Devin Dubnik. Uh, well, I mean, I think just getting back here and kind of getting into a, a routine of, of uh, you know, what it's going to be like to be home. Um, you know, haven't uh, had that at all. Obviously, the guys that have been here know what the practice facility is like and what a day looks like. So for myself, it's just been nice to kind of get into feeling what a, you know, a day to day is like, uh, here at home. And it's been, it's been awesome. The facility's great here. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's going to be nice to get back playing though. After, after a few days of practice, you always want to, you kind of start, start, uh, itching to get back in games. So, um, we'll get a good one here today and then back at it tomorrow. And like I said earlier, I will contend that these are winnable games, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Here's the captain, Logan Couture. Yeah, desperate teams. I mean, they we're, we're all kind of in the same boat where we know we're going to be fighting for a playoff spot, and, and these points are so important um, against Stanheim. So we're looking at that series first. I mean, we've got a back-to-back -back coming up here. Um, Back-to-backs are going to need, need everyone, and, uh, you know, that's line one through four, all, all D-men and, and both goalies. So very important uh, first couple games coming up for us. Yeah, they'll need everyone, including Sasha Shemilevsky, who looked like he was going to play last week against Colorado. There was a paperwork problem. He didn't get to play, but now he's going to play against one of the teams he watched growing up as a kid in Southern California. I've always wanted to play in the NHL, just like any other kid, I think, growing up. Um, it's it's always been a dream of mine, and I think going to like uh, Ducks games or Kings games, for that matter, kind of put in perspective uh, how cool the NHL is. So it's always been a dream of mine and I've always uh, strived for it. So, you know, it's, I guess it's a dream come true. And I love hearing stuff like that. Guys talking about a dream coming true, literally like think about yourself as a, as a failed adult athlete. And I don't mean to dwell on things that we were not, which, you know, professional athletes, very few and far between, but you know, there was a point in my life where I was like, yeah, I want to be a San Jose Shark. I was, you know, a little 11-year-old kid. That obviously never came to fruition. But I try to think about how it would be if I had been, you know, ended up playing for another team that was a rival of the Sharks. And 
I mean, it just would have been so cool. Like, yeah, it wouldn't have been the way that you had expected it to work out in your head. You always play for the hometown team, but the fact that you would be able to go and play against that team, it's got to be a trip. It's got to be wild. But the interesting thing was that Shemilevsky said that he thinks it's cool, but he's there to do his job. It's cool, but at the same time, you know, I'm part of the league now, and it's just my job to compete out there, not to uh, look up to them or anything like that. And like Cooch alluded to, they are going to need all these bodies. We do have the fact that they have a back-to-back tonight and on Saturday, and then they get a little bit of a rest, a little bit of a break again before they take on the Kings. But these are big, big series for the Sharks. You're sitting at three and five on the year right now. If you take three out of four, you'll be at six and six on the year, which still leaves you looking up at the division. But for the Sharks right now, the goal is to get back to 500. If they come out of this four-game set at 500 before they play that first home series of the year, then I will be overall pretty darn pleased with that. But if you can take four, improve to seven and five on the year, then you'll be in a much, much better place. One game can have a huge bit of difference in terms of the standings and in terms of how you view yourself against the rest of the division. And because this year you truly are only judging yourself against the rest of the division, the Sharks need to prove that they are better than the Ducks and the Kings, two teams that I looked at and I think many of you looked at as well and said the Sharks are better than them. The Sharks should handily defeat them if they are going to fight for that fourth and final playoff spot in the West. But the thing is, guys, the Sharks and the Ducks, not that different. The goals they've scored, the goals they've given up, the power play, the penalty kill, a lot of these things are all looking pretty darn similar. So if you're thinking this is going to be easy, like Logan Couture said, it is not. It is going to be a battle between desperate teams. All right, on the other side, we are going to talk to the radio color commentator for the Anaheim Ducks, Dan Wood. And now, a moment of chill from Coors Light. Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment made to chill after the short but cold beer run from hot tub to cabin. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. All right, we are now joined on Morning Tide by Dan Wood, the radio color commentator for the Anaheim Ducks. Dan, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, Hanging in there, and uh, hopefully the same is true for all the great Sharks fans in the Bay Area. Yes, we are. We're hanging on and waiting for what's uh, you know going to come next. And I, I got to go big picture uh, NHL with you, Dan, for a second here before we go more about the, the Ducks and the Sharks. Um, obviously, COVID is now the big story for the NHL. We're seeing teams affected left and right. New protocols have come in. You've been working the sports game for a long time. I, you know, it doesn't seem like there is a comparison or anything comparable. Is is there any, I mean, have you been able to find a point of reference for any of this? Not really. I mean, it, it truly is unprecedented in the true sense of the word. You know, the only thing that comes to mind is a few seasons ago when there was a mumps outbreak and, uh, you know, that hit several NHL teams, including the Ducks, uh, and it hit the Ducks pretty hard, but that was 
nothing compared to this. I mean, as unfortunate as that was, it wasn't life-threatening and there weren't hundreds of thousands of people dying. So, um, you know, this is just the craziest thing I think that any of us have ever lived through. I mean, I, I spoke to my 90 plus year old uncle on the phone the other night and and he said he's never seen anything like it. So that tells you something right there. When, when we're struggling to find points of comparison, I mean, that's what always gets me because it seemed like, and still does seem like everything is chugging along in the right direction. But now we see what happens when teams are moving from market to market and the success that was there in the summer bubble. Obviously, it's really, really, really hard to replicate this. I mean, we saw the trouble that, you know, baseball and Major League Soccer had over the summer. And we've seen uh, some of the problems that have happened in the NFL this year. And now it seems like, you know, the NHL and the NBA are experiencing a lot of those those same problems. And it, it, I, I don't try to judge it because there is no, like we keep on saying, there's no point of reference for this. I can't say, well, you know, with the last pandemic, I thought that Gary did a much better job. You know, I can't, there's nothing like that to go to, but I keep on asking myself, is there more they could be doing? And I, I don't think there is. I think that right now they are taking the correct proactive steps. And that's an overused word. But I mean, it's like, what else are they supposed to do if they are to continue playing? They just have to try and you know improvise and adapt, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think the NHL knew that this endeavor was going to be far more challenging than the return to play last summer when everyone was in a bubble. Uh, you know, you had a lot more control then. Right now, um, I mean, Ducks coach Dallas Aiken said something the other day that I hadn't even thought of, and that had to do with, uh, you know, players basically having to tell their parents, no, you know, I'm sorry, you can't come visit. You know, you can't see your grandkids because in order to give themselves the best chance to stay healthy, you know, players and their families need to remain isolated. And the challenge is immense. Obviously, it wasn't realistic to have an NHL season in a bubble like we had the playoffs last year. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's real life and, and players might stop at a grocery store or you know, stop to get coffee or whatever the case might be, probably not nearly as much as they would have in the past, but, you know, everyone can do everything right and be as careful as they possibly can be and still contract COVID. There's no yeah. way to guarantee that you or anyone else is going to avoid that. So it's a challenge that none of us have ever seen before. And honestly, I don't know what the end game is going to be here. I mean, are, are all the teams going to get to 56 games and we're going to complete this regular season and have playoffs? It doesn't seem likely to me that that's going to be the case. I hope it is, but mm -hmm. I think every day is a new adventure and a new challenge. And I know personally, every game I work, I consider it a blessing because I honestly don't know whether there will be another one or when the next one will be there's just so much uncertainty. Well, the most important thing, Dan, is that we obviously have hockey to distract ourselves from the, the more serious things going on out there. As I, as I make an awkward segue from real world, serious matters to the, to the game of hockey. But uh, you know, I, 
I look at the Sharks and I look at the Ducks right now and I see a lot of similarities. You know, the goals scored are pretty similar. The goals allowed are pretty similar. Pretty similar numbers on the power play. Pretty similar numbers on the penalty kill, it seems. Um, you know, I, I think that it, it should be a competitive series, if nothing else right now, for two teams trying to, uh, you know, capture a form they both believe is there. Yeah, I, I agree that it should be competitive. And I think, um, you know, from from a Ducks perspective, having already played six games against, uh, you know, what most people consider to be the top three teams in the division, Colorado, St. Louis and Vegas, you know, this week's Ducks schedule had one game against the Kings and two against the Sharks. And if the Ducks have any illusions of being competitive uh, in terms of, of chasing a playoff spot, you're going to have to hold your own against the LA's and the San Jose's of the world. And I think the same would be true in reverse for the sharks. So, you know, these are big games in that respect. And I think it's also interesting that um, the sharks obviously have not played for more than a week now. So what kind of effect is that going to have on them? And to a lesser extent, the ducks are facing something similar because they played their best game of the season Tuesday night in LA. And for the first time this season, they have two days between games as well as they played on Tuesday. I'm sure they would have rather been right back at it, say Thursday night, but instead they have to wait until Friday. And uh, you know, what effect might that have? So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what transpires over these two nights in Anaheim. So we're looking at a record of four, five, and two right now. If I had told you that would was what it was going to be through 11 games when we spoke on, I don't know, January 11th, would that have sounded about right to you? Probably. Knowing the schedule being what it was with the two games in Vegas to open the season and then two more against Colorado and St. Louis early on, I think it probably would have been difficult to project a significantly better record than that so it's probably about right I'm not sure I would have necessarily expected to get here the way that the Ducks have uh, they did manage to get three out of a possible four points when they played the two games against Colorado I don't think the avalanche was anywhere near its a game in, in those two matchups um you know, and, and there are some other games that you might look at and say, well, it could have been different if this, that, or the other, but bottom line. Yeah. It's, it's probably about what we would have expected. I think. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Cause I, you know, if I had been told, you know, the same thing about the sharks that they'd be three and five after eight games, the start of their schedule and the way that they had been on the road for that long, I think I would have said, okay, that's, that's an okay place to be. You don't, you don't love it. You don't hate it. Is that is that an accurate take to, to where you think fans are with the Ducks right now? Yes and no. I mean, I think it is an accurate take as far as, as you go with that. But uh, I think there's some considerable frustration with the fan base in Anaheim, uh, primarily because of this team's difficulty scoring goals. It's the mm -hmm. lowest scoring team in the league um, in 11 games. They've managed to get three goals in a game twice. And in both cases, that was only because they scored an empty net goal at the end. Otherwise, they haven't scored, they haven't scored more than two goals against a goaltender in any game this season. And it's awfully difficult to win when that is the case because you're you're asking your goaltender to be nearly perfect, which John Gibson has been on a number of occasions this season. 
but the stress and the pressure that you place on your goaltender and for that matter, your defenseman, that's just not sustainable to have any kind of success. Um, and, and you look at this lineup and you say, okay, well, where are the goals going to come from? The good news, I guess, is Jacob Silverberg and Danton Heinen have each scored three goals in the last little while. And certainly those are guys that need to score. Um, but, you know, the Ducks are, are not going to be a high scoring team, but they can't be the lowest scoring team in the league if they want to have any shot at a playoff berth. So that's the big question with this team right now. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's, that's the kind of the, the, the thing that you got to wonder about with a lot of teams right now, is you look at where is that offense going to come from? Cause they, th this is another thing that the sharks are looking at right now. Right. I mean, they have, they've had a tough time scoring. the offense looked good in the first three couple of games of the year. And then it really started to kind of just, suddenly disappear and kind of dry up. And it was fascinating to me, Dan, because my take was that initially I thought that we saw a lot of individual talent shine through in the NHL because where there's team defense, that's going to be where rust is, is going to show the most, I think. And so you had individual players who are individual, you know, spectacular talents and they could kind of shine. But then for a lot of teams, it seems like the deeper we've got into, into the season, the lack of overall chemistry that's out there on the ice is being more prominent than what these individual talents are able to do. Well, that's an interesting take. Um, I know I was a little bit surprised that the Ducks were as good defensively as they were right out of the shoot, um, given the long layoff. And for teams like the Ducks and the Sharks, it was extremely long because neither was in the playoff bubble last season. Uh, you know, John Gibson has a history of, of starting seasons absolutely on fire, and he's done that again this season, so maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. But when you talk about offense, uh, obviously you can't live on your past laurels, but when you look at the Sharks roster and you see people like Logan Couture and Evander Kane and Tomas Hurdle, and you have Brent Burns and Eric Carlson on the back end, I don't think I would expect that to be a team that would necessarily struggle to produce offense. Uh, you know, contrast that to the Ducks roster. They don't have many guys who have really, uh, you know, been proven goal scorers. I mean, Ricard Raquel had, but he's had a couple of off years in a row now. You know, Adam Henrique might be the one guy that you would say is a goal scorer. He had 26 last season, which equates to 30 plus in, a, in an 82 game season. But Henrique has started very slowly. Uh, and, and then you have a lot of young kids that you think have the potential to to be productive offensively in the National Hockey League, but they haven't done it yet. So uh, I guess the thing is, Ted, there are more questions than answers, put it that way. And that's Zegris and Drysdale you're alluding to, right? That's kind of where people are. Well, waiting no, to no, I'm really alluding more to guys like Troy Terry and, and Max Comtois and Sam Steele and, and okay. Max Jones. You know, those are the guys that have, have been here for a little while now and, and theoretically should be at the point where they can take a significant step in their careers. I'm not suggesting they're going to be 30 goal scorers. But if you look at the numbers, and I don't have them in front of me, but uh, Terry doesn't have a goal. I believe Jones has one. Comtois has three, all of which came in the opening two games of the season. 
and steel doesn't have any. So you need some production from those kind of guys. As far as Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale go, um, you know, they're more the future, certainly Drysdale. I mean, he should be in the Ontario Hockey League right now in a perfect world. I, I can't imagine that he's ready for NHL duty. Trevor Zegers, I've heard, you know, some pretty smart hockey people give their opinions that he should be in the NHL right now. The Ducks mm -hmm. obviously believe that he's better served to be in the American League for some length of time. Um, and the thing with Trevor Zegers is you don't want to bring a kid in and who already is going to have huge expectations. You don't want to bring him into a team that doesn't score because then there's going to be so much pressure on him that if he doesn't produce <laughs> offense immediately, you know, then everybody's going to get down on that. So yeah. this is not a great time, I don't think, to inject a player like Trevor Zegers into an NHL lineup. Hopefully the Ducks can get it going a little bit so that if they do bring him up, people aren't looking at this 19-year-old to be the savior. I'll leave it there, Dan. I hope you have a great call on Friday night. And I'm, uh, again, looking forward to a future where we can see ourselves in person. I just hope that's uh, sooner rather than later. Because right now it's, uh, what was the term you used? Uncertainty. There's, there's a lot of it right now. Well, I can't wait to come back up to the Shark Tank and be able to do a game there. Because uh, not only does it bring a lot of history back for me, but it's a great building, a great place to see a game. And and on top of that, when that's possible, we'll be past this pandemic and that'll be the best news of all. Yes. Very, very good. Dan, thank you so much, man. I will uh, bug you again sometime sooner rather than later as well. Sounds good, Ted. I appreciate you calling and uh, we'll do it again. Again, that is Dan Wood, the radio color commentator for the Anaheim Ducks. And that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. But we'll be back with you tomorrow morning reacting to Game 1 between the Sharks and the Ducks. Then we'll be back with you again on Sunday morning reacting to Game 2 between the Sharks and the Ducks. So you've got a lot of Morning Tide headed your way over the next couple of days. A big thanks to Dan Wood for joining me here this morning. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.